looking to dive into topics on how to live a happier, healthier, more fit, and long lifespan, then you've come to the right podcast. Living the dream with me, Coach Damian Evans. Together, we will explore the topics on all things health, fitness, and wellness. Together, we will be lifelong learners on this journey to living the ultimate dream. What up, dream team? Coach D here, coming at you from beautiful, sunny San Diego. And in today's Megaphone episode, we will be shouting out an article sent out by the continuous glucose monitor company, Levels CMO Dr. Casey Means. This article was titled, How Your Mind Controls Your Metabolism. The conversation around metabolic health often revolves around food, what we're eating, what we're avoiding eating, and that makes sense. Food is both the building blocks of your cells and the molecular information that gives your body instruction on how to function. But what's easy to miss when we focus on so much on our diet and exercise is the role that our mind plays in metabolic health as well. The thoughts in our heads have a direct impact on our metabolic processes, which are foundational for all aspects of health. If we don't make energy properly, our bodies will falter. Our cells literally hear quote unquote, hear what we're thinking through hormones and other signaling molecules triggered by what's happening in your brain. And if your thoughts give your body a sense of threat, think things like anxiety, worry, fear, trauma, it can impair metabolism. We already know this. Your thoughts can create chemistry in your body and have real physical effects. Have you ever read a text or an email that was extremely thoughtful, or maybe on the other end of the spectrum, it made you so super angry, your body responds. Maybe you get this warm feeling inside your stomach or a euphoric feeling of love, or maybe your face gets red, hot. You start to shake the pit of your stomach drops. These are all physical effects from the thoughts that are occurring inside of your own head. Another example, we know this one all too well. If you're scrolling through the news and have even a fleeting worry or angry thought, your body interprets that as a threat. It kicks off this chain reaction in this thing called your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or just HPA axis. This releases hormones like cortisol, norepinephrine into circulation, which can cause your liver to then break down liver glycogen and release glucose. These hormones can also make us temporarily resistant of the hormone insulin, further elevating our glucose or blood sugar levels. This is your body's way of conserving energy for the fight or flight that's coming. This is your thoughts literally impacting the way your cells make and use energy which means that we have to manage those emotions if we want to achieve our optimal metabolic health and therefore overall health. Let's now shift to the role of trauma, trauma in metabolic health. This is not just acute stress. And acute stress is something that happens just right then and there in the moment. Acute is the opposite of chronic. 
there's now a large body of research showing that adverse events in childhood can cause lasting changes to the way our bodies regulate these stress hormones. This increases our risk for obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and metabolic syndrome. If we experience a traumatic event, the hypothalamus releases a hormone. It's called corticotrophin-releasing hormone, or CRH. This hormone stimulates the release of adrenocorticotropic hormone, ACTH, which leads to the cortisol release. Now, don't get lost in the crazy names of these hormones. If we can just simply put it, we have experienced something traumatic. Your brain then tells your body to go into fight or flight through chemical messengers sent throughout our body. Even acute trauma in childhood can leave those CRH, corticotrophin-releasing hormone, it can leave levels elevated into our adulthood, even if that trauma happened in our childhood, and it may alter baseline cortisol levels for us. This primes us with a heightened stress response. The fight or flight switch gets triggered more quickly and more intensely in people that have had this acute trauma in childhood. I mean, we all know that one person that gets just a little too riled up in situations that may not be as intense as they're interpreting. Maybe that person is ourselves. But what constitutes an adverse childhood event, this could include emotional or physical neglect. It could include abuse, household dysfunction, things like divorce, violence, substance use, crime, death of a loved one severe illnesses in the family, life-threatening accidents, or even things like natural disasters, losing a house to a fire or something like that, plus countless other scenarios. Research suggests that these types of experiences affect more than 60% of people, over half, which if I were to have guessed this, I would have guessed a way higher percentage. I find it quite impossible to think that these incredible, malleable sponges that we call our childhood brains, how it seems impossible that we didn't soak up something traumatic over the many years of adolescence. If we harbor unprocessed chronic stress or trauma, we may be biologically primed to register that the world is just not safe, is not as safe as it could be. This can translate through hormonal and neurologic responses into impaired metabolic health. So hormonal referring to chemical responses and neurologic referring to electrical nervous system responses. And with these responses, it is very likely that our metabolism will not work optimally if it perceives that we are in a threat, even if that threat is not real. This kind of altered physiology, whether from the current day's stress or early trauma, it adds a layer of complexity to achieving stable glucose and insulin levels in the blood. And this is no matter how well that we eat or how often that we exercise. Dr. Means writes that their company levels, they hear all the time about how surprised people are at the impact of a stressful day at work, how that can have an effect on their blood sugar and how rises in blood sugar can even be a clue that we're stressed even if we didn't eat a high glycemic meal. So is, is this all just bad news or can we harness this and help us with our goals? It's definitely not all bad news. I find this 
happens so often in life. We find out this type of information and then we just assume that it's all doom and gloom. There's nothing that we can do about it. But why not shift how we perceive and receive this type of knowledge and use it to our advantage? There are always two sides to the coin, right? Let's talk about how we can use the body and the mind connection to improve your metabolic health and in turn your overall health. The good news is that this relationship between your emotional state and your metabolic health can also work in your favor. Several studies show that lowering your stress levels through techniques like diaphragmatic breathing and mindfulness meditation, these can have a positive impact on your metabolic markers like fasting glucose, uric acid levels, and triglycerides. The same is true for mitigating the effects of trauma. Forms of therapy, such as cognitive behavioral interventions, can help train your body away from maladaptive stress responses, from going crazy on things that don't need to go crazy on. And mindfulness techniques like breathing, meditation, yoga, these have also been shown to reduce metabolic syndrome in people with depressive symptoms. Now, there are several techniques that you can lean on to create a mental environment of safety to encourage the hormonal and neurochemical milieu that lets your metabolism function optimally. Let's go through a dozen techniques that will help guide you. Now would be the time to take some notes to implement these 12 idea suggestions into your routine. Number one, the first one requires an activity tracker that can monitor your heart rate variability, your HRV. This is an objective measure of stress. You can do this with any wearable like the Aura Ring, which is what I use, O-U-R-A, or other tools like the Whoop Strap or the Leaf Heart Rate Monitor System. These trackers can identify and mitigate HRV lowering triggers. Simply by taking a deep breath when you note that your HRV drops, this can help. But if you don't know about HRV, you want a high heart rate variability. This is a whole nother topic for a whole nother time, but I highly suggest checking out the Aura Ring. It has been an amazing tool for helping me find awareness with many other variables of health that I find that are so important for my fitness goals. So I'm going to include a huge discount that you can get in the description of this megaphone episode. If you do decide that the Aura Ring is a tool that could help you, but just knowing your HRV is dropping, this is a great time to do some deep breathing breath work. So number one, figure out how you can find your HRV through trackers like the Aura Ring. Number two, practicing slow diaphragmatic breathing exercises to instantly stimulate the vagus nerve and to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system is the calming branch of the autonomic nervous system. And at the end of this megaphone episode, I'm going to lead you through my favorite quick calming relaxing breath practice. Next, number three, meditation. Meditation with a focus on breath and noting thoughts as they arise. My favorite apps to use for this are Headspace, Waking Up, but my favorite is Brain.fm. I used Brain.fm for years and I used it to focus on deep work when I was doing any kind of deep work and for helping me get better sleep, deep sleep. And after a couple of years of me posting and, and referring clients to them, 
I now am, am an affiliate of theirs. So I highly recommend checking out the app brain.fm. It's been extremely beneficial for me. And in the description of this episode, there's a discount link that'll get you a free month for you to try it out. So meditation, number three. Number four, yoga. Yoga has been shown to improve some metabolic health parameters, and you can do things like Hatha yoga, which is a slower, more form of yoga, and it allows you to focus intently on breath, but it doesn't need to be a full class of Hatha yoga. It could be you just standing there in a tall mountain pose, feeling your feet firmly planted on the ground, inhaling while you reach and look towards the sky, and then exhaling while you bring your hands to your heart. This is a great way to do a nervous system reset. What really helps me personally though, is at the end of the night, I do yen yoga, Y-I-N. Yen yoga is a deep stretch hold for like three to five minutes at a time. And you focus on breath and stillness, and then just noticing the thoughts that come up in each pose. I'll share some links to my favorite yen yoga flows in the description of this episode. So number four, yoga. And number five, spending time in nature. Hordes of research shows that getting into nature, even in something like a city park, has measurable impacts on health and stress markers. Now here in San Diego, you're just minutes away from some of the best beaches in the world. And in my opinion, if you're ever around the Torrey Pines or Del Mar beaches near sunset, oh my gosh, you can't get any better than that. You'll catch me five to seven days out of the week doing a walking meditation with my feet in the water or sitting under the cliffs doing breath work at Torrey Pines. Get the heck outside. Number five, spend time in nature. Number six, rubbing lavender essential oil between your hands, cupping your face and inhaling deeply a few times can also help. Smell, scent is such a powerful thing in the mind. And lavender has clinical effects on reducing anxiety, and can change gene expression. That is crazy. It can change gene expression and activity in the brain. We've talked about this before on a podcast where you can use the connection between your memory and scent to put you into a specific state. Scent is so powerful. Maybe you get some lavender from a store like Trader Joe's and put it in your bedroom to help you get that scent while you sleep. Number six, lavender essential oil, or just lavender smell to relax. Number seven, write it out. If you're spinning about a problem and don't know what to do, set a timer and just write about it for five minutes freestyle and see what solutions or resolutions come from this reflection time. Journaling, writing it out. This is such a huge hack for stress relief. Number eight, focus on awe, abundance, and gratitude. Focusing on awe, abundance, and gratitude. Just observing and noticing the astounding beauty of nature around you. For me, it's often sunsets or at the peak of very challenging hikes. You could also do this by reading. Reading something like Mary Oliver or Rumi poetry. Some great Rumi quotes include, quote, Do not feel lonely. The entire universe is inside you. Or, quote, You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. Ruminate on that for a second. Focusing on awe, abundance, and gratitude, you could do this by learning about the complexity and the beauty of science. For me personally, it's 
all about learning about the complexity of the human body. Every new thing that I learn, I imagine I'm in this pitch dark room and I have this flashlight and I'm just shining this tiny little flashlight in the corner of the room. And then everything that I learn, it makes this tiny little light start to get wider and wider and wider. And that tiny circle of illumination gets bigger and bigger with everything that I discover. You could also start by simply writing down a few things that you're grateful for each morning and night and just focusing on that kind of gratitude. Number nine, practicing self-love. And this is something I'm for sure working on myself. Sometimes the biggest form of threat in our lives is that little tiny voice inside your head talking to yourself negatively. Be mindful of that inner voice and consider ways that you can make it your biggest supporter rather than your most brutal critic. And this is easier said than done. I am by far to myself, the meanest person in my life. I would never speak to another human being the way that I speak to myself in my mind. Loving kindness meditations can also help with this. And so can professional therapy. And I mean, I struggle with this because I always want to be doing something better. I always think that I can be doing just something a little bit more. And sometimes just stepping back and giving yourself props for how hard you're trying and how far you've come, that can be huge. Which it's kind of weird because just saying that makes me emotional, which I have means I have a lot of work to do. So number nine, practicing self-love. Number 10, reflecting on the nature of death. And this is an odd one. I know it. It's it just stick with me here. Stoics and Zen Buddhists And many other traditions have meditated on death as a way to enhance life. And this is something that I've always found too. When we accept and embrace the ultimate certainty of death and we reframe this quote unquote threat as a natural part of our eternal and awe-inspiring cosmic process that we call life, this can liberate us from existential dread and can bring lightness into our life. If you look into resources like Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic, he has some meditations that are awesome, or The Way of the Zen, Z-E-N, these can provide helpful frameworks. There's also a really cool section in the book that I just read called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter, and one of the Megaphone episodes previous to this was all about that, and it highlights how our U.S. Western culture, it fears, or it just ignores death until it's just right in front of us. And then in contrast, he highlights a culture that thinks about death multiple times a day and actually celebrates death, which sounds crazy to us over here in the United States. I know, but it was definitely thought provoking. So I highly recommend that book. If you haven't read The Comfort Crisis yet, definitely read The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. Number 11, eating to improve your brain's function and mental state is so important. Nutrition. I'm going to recommend these two Huberman Lab podcasts by Professor Andrew Huberman over at Stanford. Uh, One of them is called How Foods and Nutrients Control Our Moods, and the other one's called Nutrients for Brain Health and Performance. And then on the next Megaphone episode next week, we're going to go even deeper into brain health from one of the biggest brain health experts in the world. So stay tuned for that. And then the last thing, another thing that we would be remiss if we didn't discuss, number 12, professional support, therapy or coaching. I can't recommend this enough. We seek support for our finances. We get financial advisors. We seek support for our cars. We go to mechanics. 
physical health, doctors, fitness, trainers, legal matters, lawyers. Why not get some professional guidance on the function of our minds, our most important asset and gift? A therapist can help identify thought patterns and maladaptive responses that we aren't even aware of, that may be keeping us stuck in a state of threat. There are many online services. There's one called betterhelp.com, betterhelp.com. If you go to betterhelp.com, they can make it easy to get started in that area. Also, another emerging area is the research looking into whether psychedelic-assisted therapy can impact processes of traumatic events and stress and have downstream effects on our metabolic health. There is also some evidence that compounds found in psychedelic plants may impact insulin secretion. There's a really cool book that you can check out if you're interested in this kind of thing called Drug Use for Grownups by Dr. Carl L. Hart. I know it sounds crazy, but hey, so did the use of medical marijuana and tons of other examples in our past. Things like psilocybin mushrooms and MDMA and LSD, these protocols under the guidance of professionals and in the right set and setting, I mean, I truly believe that these will be commonplace practices in the near future. The war on drugs in the past was really devastating, in my opinion, on what we could have accomplished at this point from these type of compounds that are known to dissolve the ego and let us see past experiences through a different lens. And of course, I could be wrong, totally wrong. What, do you, what are your thoughts here? I would love to know. In closing, the bottom line, our thoughts and mental health have a strong impact on our metabolic processes. There are many tools and resources for improving our thought patterns. Figuring out for yourself what works for you is part of the metabolic health journey and may be an important key for optimizing your metabolic health. Huge megaphone shout out to Dr. Casey Means and the team at Levels for this great information. You definitely got to check out Levels, the company that creates continuous glucose monitors. I've worn one off and on for the past three years, and it's been super helpful. Also, follow Dr. Casey Means on social media. Her IG is at Dr. Casey's Kitchen at D-R-C-A-S-E-Y-S Kitchen. She's got great content. I highly recommend it. And that's it, my friends, for this week's Megaphone episode. Each week, we will focus on sharing information that will help you with your health, fitness, and wellness journey. Share the knowledge that you gained with your friends, your family, and hold each other accountable. If you enjoyed this content, it helps a ton if you could post on your social media stories a screenshot and give us one takeaway that you learned and make sure that you tag me and share your journey. You can tag me at livingthedream underscore podcast or at Coach Damien underscore SD, at Live in the Dream underscore podcast, or at Coach Damien underscore SD. Let us know how this episode benefited you. Let's get more people on this lifelong learner train and join the Live in the Dream team. Message us if you have any suggestions or tips that will help your Live in the Dream team that we can discuss on future episodes. I will be right here with you, making us stronger, happier, and healthier humans. Until next time, friends, keep living the dream. The relaxing breath. We're going to take some time to do a few rounds of breath work so we can continue on with our day in a relaxed way. With this technique that we're about to do, we're going to quiet our mind and ease your stress. Ideal for when you're feeling anxious, restless, or overwhelmed.
Now, if you listen to your podcasts in accelerated speed, now is the time to take it back to normal. You can do this breath work anywhere, and I prefer to do it with my eyes closed. But if you're driving or doing something where that's not an option, feel free to do this in whatever way fits your current situation best. We're going to do five rounds of relaxed breathing. We will inhale for a count of four, deeply through your nose to fill your belly with air. Then we will exhale slowly out for a count of six, making your exhale longer and slower than your inhale. For this particular exhale, pretend that you're gently blowing on a bunch of candles, slowly through your mouth with your lips pursed. You might even hear an ocean-like whooshing sound as you exhale. This is the style of exhale that we're looking for. So again, inhaling for four and then exhaling for six. There will be very little pause at the top of your inhale and very little pause at the end of your exhale. Taking a big breath in followed by a longer, slower breath out signals a state of relaxation to the body and it reduces stress. The longer exhales compared to your inhales, help to slow down heart rate and relax your nerves. So when you're ready, let's begin. Inhale deeply to your belly through your nose for one, two, three, four. Hear the ocean as you exhale through your mouth, blowing out candles for three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, Four, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, in, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, in, expand. Out, let go. Two more rounds. In, out. Last round, deep breath in. Fully out, empty. And now return back to your normal breathing. Take a second of awareness to check in with how you feel right now. Throughout the rest of your day, when you find yourself feeling any differently than you feel right now, and you'd like to change it, just do a quick few rounds of relaxing breath like we just did, and notice how things may change for you. May this feeling continue on for you, and may it benefit all those around you. Until next time, friends, keep living the dream.